This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? We're approaching our fiscal year end. Would you help us to finish strong? Just call 888-644-4144 or give at equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. So glad you've tuned in today. Hope you're doing well, and I hope you are rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. God is in control. He sits on the throne. Let us never forget he is sovereign. So no matter what we're going through, this is still our Father's world. And because of that, we can have peace. With that, I welcome you into what will be a really exciting edition of Equip. I'm, I'm really Uh, Looking forward to today's discussion, you know, over this season, this period, one of the things that we've tried to do is to prepare you for the Christmas season. And I do think that important seasons like this merit some preparation because what we don't want to do is to go through uh, a Christmas holiday with all of its festivities and forget that this is one of the greatest opportunities for us to put the Christmas story on display. And when I say the Christmas story, I'm not talking about Santa Claus and reindeers. I'm talking about Jesus, the Son of God, born in a manger, born of a virgin, sent into this world to rescue us from our sins. Man, what a great opportunity we have. And I know there's a lot of people who are critical of the Christmas season, and, and rightfully so, because of the commercialization, the trivial, uh, tr- making it trivial, uh, uh, over sentimentalizing it. But, but I will also say that there is a part of me that says, praise God that for a season, uh, the Christmas story, the story of Christ, is put front and center in our culture in the Western world, and we need to seize that moment. And I think a big part of it is us. Uh, capturing the awe of the original Christmas story, capturing that wonder, and trying our best to reflect that in all of our celebrations. Now, I've been trying my best over the last uh, several days to give you some of the uh, Brooks family traditions, the things we do to make sure we're putting Christ on display. Uh, I told you that we were really big into manger scenes for our children. Uh, we uh, transitioned from the Christmas tree quite some time ago and focused on the manger scene, not imposing that on you, but that was, that's was that been great for us uh, because it, it helps us to tell the story again, drilling it home to our children. We got kids in our home from a one-year-old to, to 10, so it's important for us to help them to understand what the reason for this season is all about. We also talked about uh, us being evangelistic with our family meal, uh, wanting to make sure we're not only having a great Christmas meal, but we're inviting over uh, some folks to be with us that need ministry intentionally, building bridges that way, and uh, we shared some other things. Today we're going to talk about music, the power of music and song, and uh, how God used song uh, throughout the New Testament to really declare and, and announce the birth of the Son of God, the entrance of the King of Glory into the world. Uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, it's amazing how music uh, shapes this moment. And uh, you might be surprised 
uh, at who authored the book we're going to feature today. It's called Christmas Playlist, and it's written by Pastor Alistair Big. Now, many of you, like myself, appreciate and know Pastor Big as a great expository preacher. We know him for his commitment to the doctrine of scriptures, his great pastoral work at Parkside Church, but we maybe have not heard him share his heart for songs. But we're going to talk about that today. My guest today is Alistair Begg. He's the senior pastor of Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio, and a Bible teacher on Truth For Life, heard on radio outlets around the world. Alistair has been in pastoral ministry since 1975. You might recognize an accent that comes from Scotland. Following his graduation from the London School of Theology, he served two churches there in Scotland, and now he's he's in Cleveland, which I assume means that he's a Cleveland Cavaliers and Indian fan, but we'll find out about that. He's married to Susan, and together they have three grown children. God bless you, Pastor Big. So good to have you on Equip today. I hope you're doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well, Chris, and uh, it's a privilege to get to say hello to you over this uh, radio program. Hey, let me ask this question. How is Christmas different in Scotland than in the U.S.? Is is there any major difference of how Christmas was for you growing up as a boy there versus here? Uh, no, not really. Where I grew up, I grew up in the west of Scotland in a large, you know, industrial city. But up in the highlands of Scotland, uh, for example, in the days prior to my birth, you know, the late 40s, uh, early 50s, um, Scottish people did not even have Christmas Day as a, as a vacation day. Uh, wow. They did in England, but not in Scotland. And the influence of the church in Scotland was such that they regarded Christmas uh, in a disparaging way because of uh, its associations, as they thought, with all kinds of mythology and so on. And so, in fact, there's a classic case of a, of a high school principal who was removed from his position as principal uh, because he put a Christmas tree in the foyer of the, of the school. So Scotland was kind of slow to get on the Christmas story uh, <laughs> at that level, but uh, for me, for me, it was uh, it was fairly stand, standard fare as a boy. Now take us back and uh, and help us understand for you uh, what has been special over the years about Christmas. Why is this for Alistair Big? such a special moment that you would even dare write a book about it. Well, you know, as you said in your introduction, Chris, I, I have been the, uh, the beneficiary of a context in my home and in my church setting that made it really, really clear that uh, in the midst of all of these festivities and lights going on and the trees being illuminated in the center of the city in which I lived, that I was in no doubt at all that uh, we were dealing with something that, in the Carol terminology, was all about once in Royal David City. And, uh, you know, th- that wonderful sense of uh, anticipation and excitement uh, was pervasive for me as a child. And so I've always loved Christmas. I must confess, you know, I love it just about at every level. And I, I'm always glad when uh, we have the chance to use the various uh, um, expressions that are part and parcel of our culture to do as you say, and that is to say, you know, when we really take this to the the core, you realize that what we're dealing with here is 
something profoundly wonderful and miraculous. You know, in your book, you, you highlight something that I think is true that many of us don't think about, and there is the fact that there is no official announcement that the Christmas season is here, right? So there are a lot of things that do declare it to us. Some uh, know that the Christmas season is here because of decorations. Some know that the Christmas holiday yeah. is here because of uh, maybe special traditions they have within their family. But for many of us, it's this slight change in the music all around us, on radio stations, in the malls, wherever we go, there, there are Christmas songs that are being played. I would love to know about Alistair Begg's favorite Christmas song of all time. What's your favorite Christmas song? <laughs> Oh, well, it would be for me a Christmas carol. I would have to say that, you know, in terms of uh, the biblical content of it with, without question. But, um, you know, uh, in terms of the nostalgic aspect of it, uh, the, the notion of dreaming of a white Christmas, uh, yeah. even as a boy in, in Glasgow, where there's a maritime climate, and so we can't be guaranteed uh, snow on Christmas at all. And it was really, really very, very special when the snow actually came at Christmas in Scotland. So I think that's been that's probably my my favorite. The nostalgic "I'll be home for Christmas" is in there as well. And uh, when I'm feeling a little sort of strange, the whole idea of my grandmother being run over by a by a, a reindeer has to feature in there somewhere as well. <laughs> I was going to ask you that question. Now, my kids, I have kids age uh, 1 through yeah. 10, right? And I got two boys sandwiched in the middle. And yeah. for my 6-year-old, that by far is his favorite Christmas song. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. <laughs> I guess my question to you is should I be concerned about his salvation? Should there be a concern at all in my heart about his spiritual condition? Well, there should always be a concern for our children's spiritual condition, but not directly related to that song, I don't <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll keep praying for little Cameron. We'll keep praying for him. But, but yeah, for, for, yeah. For, for, for us, there is a beauty. Obviously, you talked about the nostalgia of it. But there is a danger, though, in all of our festivities and celebration that we might trivialize and sentimentalize the Christmas holiday, isn't there? Yes, there de there definitely is. I mean, it's a it's a you know it's a double edged sword, really, isn't it? That the that the opportunity that is provided by the um, the, the almost inevitable way in which um, commercialism has to embrace Christmas at some level, thereby giving us an opportunity and a platform to address the the subject. Uh, it, it also uh, creates the the, the the ability for people just to uh, brush it aside as being simply sentimental or trivial in some way, um, and so you know you mentioned your uh, your uh, manger scene, and you know I, I blow hot and cold on that because the the uh, the manger scene can be just that you know the average businessman drives past and says you know this is this is just for children and for old ladies. Yeah. Because they don't understand that what we're what we're depicting in there is is that God who has created the universe has stepped down into time, and so there's a sense in which what we have to do is is reclaim these things and um, and and state them in a way that is uh, you know is gospel in its focus. 
Yeah, and and you've helped us to do that with this uh, with this wonderful book, Christmas Play- Playlist. Listen, folks, we got to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to dig into one of my favorite gospels, and that is the Gospel of Luke. As an apologist, as a defender of the faith, I just love the way Luke writes this gospel. But Pastor Big has gone into the Gospel of Luke, and he pulled out. Four songs that we need to know. It's not hard to hear old angels sing, as beautiful as that is, or angels we have heard on high, or away in a manger. But these are story, songs that were sung by people like Mary or Zachariah, an angel song or Simeon song. These are great songs. So we're going to talk about it. You stick and stay. So much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. in a consumer culture, but today I want you to become something more than just a consumer. I want you to become an equipper. Together we can teach people to think critically and live compassionately in their neighborhood. Your monthly gift will keep this program here on this station, interacting with the real-life issues of day-to-day life faced by every believer. As an equipper, you'll receive exclusive resources every week prepared just for you. And you can also receive a 50% discount to Moody Publishers. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go online to equippedradio.org. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Talking to Pastor Alistair Bagg, pastor of the Great Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Heard on Truth For Life on stations all over this country. It has a a pretty uh, unique Moody tie. Bob Butts over there started uh, with Moody Radio, Pastor Big. I'm sure you know about that. How's uh, Bob and the rest of the radio team doing? Uh, just wonderfully well. Yes, I know all about that. We stole Bob from Moody, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll never give him back. Uh, he's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's my voice, but his vision that uh, yeah. gives us this program. So, well, he's, yeah. he's a blessing. I'll he's tell a him blessing. you asked for him. Yeah, please do. So, so let's talk yes, about the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. I love the Gospel of Luke. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you. Um, by training, I'm an apologist uh, and and have a passion for um, just a historical account of of the Gospels. And Luke seems to take a very detailed, measured approach to putting his gospel together. Uh, before we get into the songs, talk about uh, what is so unique and special about the book of Luke. Well, I think, you know, uh, the introduction to his gospel sets it out for us, as uh, as you're saying. You know, he he makes it really, really clear that he has done the investiga- investigative work that uh, he wants to add to the uh, understanding of the story. He wants to write what he says is an orderly account uh, with this guy Theophilus in view, and in order that there might be absolute certainty concerning the things uh, that he recounts. And I think it is this that that then paves the way for the uh, the, the the gospel as as it is outlined from there that he is saying this this is historical material these things really happened he's not writing a history he's writing a gospel uh, the, the the biographical elements in it are are there he's not writing a biography he's still writing a gospel and uh, the the way in which he puts all of this material together under the direction of the Holy Spirit 
does exactly what you say. It gives an orderly account. And anybody who's really sitting down to say, what really happened here? Why does it matter? What does it mean? Uh, will be well served by a careful reading of Luke's gospel. You know, I love the way that God has decided to receive glory and to have the Christmas stories uh, told in various forms, not just through the mouths of preachers, but but angels and and now psalmist and and I would love for you to talk about uh, both what drew you to the songs in the Book of Luke to put together this great book, a Christmas playlist, and why you think it's so extraordinary that Luke, in his compilation of his gospel, decided to feature songs in there? Well, you know, um, the, when, when we think about it, right in the heart of the Bible, we've, we have, if you like, the, 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 the songbook of Israel in the Psalms. And the, the people of God uh, sing all the way through. Uh, they sang at the, at the Exodus. Miriam plays her tambourine, and they, they rejoice in being liberated from the bondage of Egypt. Uh, you have the choirs up on the wall when they restore the, the, uh, the walls of Jerusalem in, in Ezra and Nehemiah. And so, in actual fact, it would be, it would be a strange thing if when we got to this most significant of events, uh, there was an absence of song. And, um, uh, you know, Luke is simply recording uh, what took place. You know, here, here is Mary and, you know, presumably a teenage girl uh, responding to this most dramatic of events, and she, and she sings. And uh, the same is true as, as, as we follow along all the way uh, to Simeon himself. And you've got this old man, and, and he's singing. Uh, I, there's a sense in which every time God has done something, he sets, he sets it to song, and he sets his people to sing. When we think about the end of things in, in Revelation, you have this great chorus of praise and of, uh, and of adoration. And so it just seems that uh, it's par for the course almost, that when we come to the incarnation, we're confronted by song. Yeah, I love it, and, and I'm grateful that you picked up on this in your book. Let, let's read the first Christmas song, if you don't mind. We find it in Luke chapter 1, and we see here uh, that um, uh, Mary is singing. She goes to Elizabeth, and she's singing. Uh, she burst out in song after being told by the angel what God had intended. And in verse 46, she says this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What an amazing, beautiful, theologically rich song. What strikes you when you hear Mary's song, the first Christmas song? Well, what strikes me is the is it makes me think about um, the impact of 
her parents' honor as a child, about which we know nothing. But being brought up in terms of the, uh, the Shema, being instructed in the things of the faith, obviously had embedded itself in Mary. I mean, she could not, she could not simply come up with this poem uh, in a vacuum. Uh, there's a background in this girl's life. Now, obviously, she's enabled by the Holy Spirit to sing as she sings, but uh, we wouldn't want to make the supernatural element of it so strong that we lose the natural element in it, that mm. here we have a real person in real time from a real background being discovering this amazing truth concerning herself, and her reaction is as you've read it. I mean, the whole the whole psalm is just is just full of uh, of God and His grace and His goodness. You know, I, I pray for those of you who are listening that you see the power of what we're doing here. And for some, I know for me at least, looking at uh, Pastor Begg's book again, Christmas pr uh, playlist, which I really encourage you to get a copy of. We'll give away a few uh, copies today for those of you who interact with us on social media. But, but hopefully we're introducing to you a new family tradition. Uh, you know, music is such a powerful thing. I know at my house, you're going to always around Christmas time hear Nat King Cole. You're going to always he hear uh, Donny Hathaway. You're going to always hear these great songs from Christmas gone by. But uh, I got to be honest with you. We have not as a family read through these wonderful songs that you find in this beautiful gospel of Luke. And, and thank God Pastor Big brings these to us uh, with not only uh, sentimental reflection, but a deep theology and discussion. So I would encourage you, maybe this becomes a family tradition. Now, now just a couple of things in this song that Mary sings. Number one is this thought that he is mindful of us, right? She, she really seems to uh, just right. uh, revel in the thought that God is mindful of us and that he's a promise keeper. Yes. Yeah, and again, that's what I'm saying, that, that this is not something that she suddenly came upon, but this is, uh, this is something that she knew, and it, she brings to mind then what she knows of God to... Uh, understand what is happening to her in this moment, and that she is aware of the fact that he is God is mindful of her because he's mindful of his people, That's and right. that uh, the individual aspect of it is set within the corporate aspect of it, that he's mindful of his of his people as a whole, and uh, th that that is a, that is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is a beautiful thing. And, and and for the person who's listening to us right now that missed that point, let me just drive it home. Maybe you feel isolated or disconnected. Part of what these songs do is remind us that we are a part of the of the people of God. And you should rejoice in that, that you are part of the people of God. She also, in this song, Pastor Big, announces the son has been given. That is that is the heart of this. That yep. that is the biggest part of this song, isn't it? Yes, it is. And uh, you know, in in all of it, in all of its aspects, that it's his mercy is to those who fear him, but also he shows the strength of his arm in scattering the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He brings down the mighty from their thrones, and and he does that uh, not because. 
uh, he's vindictive, but because he's God. And he humbles those who are proud, and he exalts those who are humble. And she is the very embodiment of that. Uh, you know, you, we might have anticipated that God would uh, come and choose somebody of immense stature from a royal lineage, from a huge background, or what it, whatever it might be. But she, she's, a, she's nondescript. She is, she's nobody. She's no one, uh, except that God has been mindful of her and has chosen her to serve his purposes in this way. And that's the way God works. He's, he looks out for those who are, who are the least and the last and the left out. You know, what a humbling thing. And, and, and I want to unpack this, uh, Pastor Beg, a little bit more. But, but i got to take a break. But if you could really quickly, in about 60 seconds, what does this do to the person who, whose quest is self-reliance and who wants to avoid all dependency? Well, what it does is it says that uh, there is somebody bigger and greater than you, that he loves you enough to, um, to remove some of your... Um, some of your little platforms that give you uh, personal significance. Uh, and he does so in order that he might show you that your true significance and your real identity is all wrapped up in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he sent to be a savior for those who will believe. And uh, often at Christmas time, people feel that somehow or another they're grasping for something that isn't there. And uh, what is really there underneath it all is the reality about which Mary is singing. You know, we're going to take a short break, excuse me, but when we come back, we're going to help to hopefully embed some of these lyrics of these beautiful biblical songs into your mind. You know, songs have a way of getting embedded into our thinking, and I pray that we're going to be able to do that today because we're talking about nothing less than Scripture and the announcement of the birth of the Son of God. You know, before... The angel Gabriel visited Mary. She visited Zacharias. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Zacharias' song. So you enjoy as we go out this beautiful rendition of Away in a Manger. We'll be right back with so much more on Equipped right after this. You're listening to a pre-recorded Encore presentation of Equip with Chris Brooks. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful for you listening in. Many of you are daily listeners, so let me say thank you, thank you, thank you. Your listenership uh, really is the reason why we're here, by God's grace, but also by your generosity as well. So we do pray that during this Christmas season, if you've been blessed by the program, that you would invest in the program here. You know, Christian Radio has a powerful influence on the lives of so many throughout our country and throughout the world. And Equipped is doing our part. So if you are blessed by this ministry, please go to our website, equippedradio.org. That's equippedradio.org. You can click on the Donate Now button and make a donation. And we'll be so grateful for you. Remember, all your donations are tax deductible. Today we're talking to Pastor Alistair Beck, who's written an extraordinary book, a look at the songs found around the first Christmas, the announcement of the birth of the Son of God in the book of Luke. The book is entitled Christmas Playlist, four songs that bring you to the heart of Christmas. We have five giveaways. We're going to give them away through our, to our new friends on social media. So if you've been listening for a while and you've never 
friended us on Facebook or followed us on Twitter, we love for you to do that for no other reason but to keep the conversation going. You know, they only give me an hour of radio a day. Can you imagine that? Only an hour? But I get an hour a day to interact with you. But that's never enough, even on days like today where we're just enjoying our conversation. So we want to keep the conversation going. And the way we do it is through you connecting with us on social media. What a powerful tool if used in the right way to glorify God. So go to Facebook, go to Twitter. We'll pick about five names, and we will send out a copy of Pastor Big's book. Pastor Big, before we went to break, I mentioned that before the angel Gabriel visits Mary, she visits with Zechariah. Tell us a little bit about the background before we get into his song of what's going on in the life of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. Well, it, it's a bit like uh, Abram and Sarah, isn't it? It's almost like the New Testament version of it. The the um, chances of Elizabeth uh, bearing a child seem to be remote, and uh, the announcement that this is going to take place uh, has a uh, has a response on the part of Zechariah that isn't necessarily the best. He's mystified by it, somewhat overwhelmed by it, and it's another way in which we see that God breaks into time and against the run of play, uh, fulfills his purposes. And he's providing uh, in uh, the son of Zechariah, uh, the one who is, if you like, the warm-up act for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful story. It's all there in uh, uh, Luke chapter 2, as you know. And uh, the, the, the scene and the wonder of it all, and him being... Uh, uh, struck dumb and having to make signs and so on. Uh, you wouldn't. Uh, again, this comes back to Luke's thing. You know, he said, "I'm I'm writing an orderly account. I'm telling you about the things that happened." Uh, it's frustrating to me when people say to me, "You know, it's all a mythology." If somebody this doesn't read like a mythology, this actually reads like what it is. It's a historical record of something that took place. And um, why would the gospel writer include uh, invent things like this? Uh, just to make the story harder to believe, it really doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. You know, I think about it. My wife told me at the age of 38, she announced that I'm pregnant again. And, man, I could have passed mm-hmm. out at the age of 38. I could only imagine what our good friend Zachariah <laughs> must have been thinking as an old man. But here's sure. what he— sure. He, Here's the lyrics to his song. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. What a beautiful, beautiful song. And obviously, Zechariah is referring to his son, John, who we know, John the Baptist. What strikes you most about this song? Well, I think one of the things, and it's true of each of these songs, is how much Old Testament there is in it. 
uh, how much the transition from all of the expectations of the Old Testament are coming to fruition. And uh, uh, Zechariah, as he sings of this, he's talking about the mercy of God to uh, the ancestors, his covenant that he has made, and the promise that he has given to Abraham. So you have this wonderful connection. And, and, and I often like to tell uh, my Jewish friends this, you know, that, that the Bible is a, is a two-act drama. And, you know, if you go to a, a stage play and you leave at halftime, you don't know how it ends. And if you arrive at halftime and miss the first half, the first act, you don't know how it begins. And the only way we can actually make sense of the New Testament is in light of all of the threads that run in that direction from the old. And the same is true in reverse. So that these pictures of a rising sun and of the light shining out of the darkness, uh, these are all hints and references that we find, for example, in the prophets of old. Uh, but I think the thing that is most uh, striking to me is the way in which he speaks in terms of God coming, God coming purposefully, God coming to redeem, God coming to shine into the darkness and to guide us into the path of peace. It's all about yes. what God has come to do. And and that's one of the things, again, that Christmas gives us an opportunity to talk to is the fact that so many people's view of religion is something we're supposed to try and do for God. But they don't understand that the story of Christianity is the story of what God in Christ has done for us as sinners. So let's do this. Let's connect Christmas to Easter because we haven't really done that. But I think that in Zachariah's song, we can't overlook this whole promise of redemption and salvation and forgiveness of sins. That all points to a cross, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And that's why, uh, you know, the Harry Belafonte song, you know, that man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day is, is not actually the case because without... Uh, the, the cradle the cradle in Bethlehem without the cross in Jerusalem, uh, the cradle is, is, is actually ultimately irrelevant. And so uh, the, the way that Luke is unfolding this is going to lead us on to Jesus in the synagogue in Nazareth, uh, uh, to preaching good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, and then he makes this amazing statement of today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And as he goes on from there to explain that the reason he has come, as the songs of the Incarnation say, is in order that he might redeem his people. And so to short-circuit the story of Christmas by failing to point out the real, the real means of redemption is to almost inevitably leave it in a kind of sentimental uh, slush that the average person says, I, I really don't see how this works. Yeah. And they're right in saying that because it doesn't work. So important that we communicate to the world why the Son of God had to come and what his, his birth ultimately led to. Let's talk about this song that the angel sang. In the middle of the night, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and living in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those of whom his favor rests. What do you think of when you hear that? Well, you know, I think somewhere in the in the chapter that I mentioned that uh, uh, here in this event on that uh, first Christmas night is the very heart of the Christmas story. It's the heart of the Christian faith that God took on flesh, that as mysterious as it is that the voice that made the cosmos could be heard now crying in this cradle, that the hands that placed each star in its place uh, was now grasping to hold on to Mary's fingers, that this child was both fully human and, and fully God, and in this uh, divinity and humanity meet. It's impossible for us to, to stand back from that and do anything other with it than, than simply do what these fellows in the end do, and that is they, they, they just da- fall down in wonder and in amazement. And uh, the angel song uh, helps us to that end. You know, and I think that some of us, uh, even those of us who are preachers, need to recapture the wonder, don't we? I think so. We can you know, speak about it in a way that is almost formulaic, that we are, you know, we're so used to the story that that um, we, we've, we've, we've become dulled a little to it uh, on our own. And I think this is what I appreciate most about your book. I talked to Max Lucado recently, and he says he's preached 28 Christmases at his church. And, you know, when you've preached that many Christmases, you know, it, it is uh, very tempting, um, kind of an occupational hazard, if you will, to fall into formulas, to become a little bit callous. But I would pray today that as you listen to this conversation with uh, between myself and Pastor Alistair Big that if you are a pastor, if you have the privilege of standing behind that holy desk on uh, Christmas Sunday morning, that you would pray, Lord, revive my heart. Mm -hmm. Allow me to recapture the wonder and the glory of what took place on that first Christmas. song you're hearing now is Hark the Herald Angel Sings. Enjoy it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. So much more after this on Equip with Chris Brooks. I want to invite you to rediscover your favorite Christmas hymns this season with Born a Child and Yet a King, the Gospel and Carols, an Advent devotional from Nancy DeMoss Wagamu. Spend 31 days tracing the Gospels through your favorite carols and discover anew the awe of Jesus' incarnation. Each day's reading will guide you into deeper intimacy with Christ this Christmas. Request your copy with a gift of any amount. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I hope you're enjoying this conversation at least as half as much as I am because if you are... You're having a great time. What an awesome program this has been with Pastor Alistair Big, senior pastor uh, at Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He's written this great book, Christmas uh, Playlist, four songs that bring you to the heart of Christmas. Again, we're giving away about five free copies to new friends on Facebook, new followers on Twitter, so you make sure you put your name down there. Preferential treatment for pastors. I'm just saying, I love pastors. Nothing wrong with that. 
Hey, Pastor Beck, really quickly, I know you got to run, so let me just ask a couple more questions. We got one more song to go. Who is Simeon, and why is he so important? Well, Simeon is just a wonderful character. Wouldn't you like to meet? I I look forward to meeting Simeon. Um, We don't know uh, a tremendous amount about him, except that uh, he was a regular there uh, in the temple, and that he was a man who had obviously been reading his Bible, had been reading the Old Testament, and he was looking for uh, the one whom uh, the prophets had spoken about. And so uh, it it must have been just a dramatic moment when uh, they bring, that Mary and Joseph bring him into the temple to do uh, according to the law of Moses, and then to have this elderly man come up uh, and... uh, and and take the ba- take the baby from them, and then you know people say all kinds of things when they when they see a new baby, but what he said, I mean, he, then he just bursts into song, yeah. and my eyes have seen your salvation. It's amazing. Let me read. Let it's me read the song, lyrics of. Yeah, let me read the song. lyrics or lyrics of his song. Yeah. When the parents brought in the child Jesus, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. His, uh, the birth of Jesus really was a transition point for Simeon, but he didn't see that as a bad thing. He embraced it. What should we take away from Simeon's song? Well, I think, I think, just just the fact that Jesus and salvation are entirely interwoven. There is no salvation without the Lord Jesus. And also what he goes on to say uh, to Mary, that this child is appointed for the, for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And there's going to be heartache for you, Mary. She doesn't understand what that is really going to mean. She will do one day. But... Uh, you can see that Simeon's word of prophecy uh, is, has been fulfilled as we reflect on history. And right up until today, that uh, the, the word of the Lord Jesus, people are prepared to accept all kinds of notions, uh, the influence of Hinduism in our country and Buddhism and yoga and all manner of things. And yet you, you bring forward the name of the Lord Jesus and sometimes you find the stiffest and fiercest opposition. We ought not to be surprised by that because the Bible actually anticipates that that will be the case. Pastor Ben, what a joy it's been being with you today. I'm grateful for this book that you have uh, have given us. And again, I just want to say to many, hopefully these lyrics will be embedded in your heart and mind, and maybe, just maybe for some, this may be a new tradition of reading these songs on early Christmas morning. Well, God bless you and the good folks at Parkside and have a great Christmas this year, okay? Hey, Chris, I, I enjoy the chance to talk to you. This book is, is I mean, you described it as great. You're very kind. It's a small book. It's a quick read. And it's the kind of book that they can safely give, you know, to a work colleague or even a marginally interested friend because it won't overwhelm them in any way. It's put down at the you know, at a level that most people will be able to say, okay, I can at least follow this line. That's right. Thanks it's, again for the chance to chat. 
It's simple enough that even I could enjoy it. So thank you for writing it. I so appreciate it. God bless you, sir. That was Alistair Begg. So, so grateful for his ministry and all that he uh, does. He's one of, I would call him one of America's pastors, even though he's from Scotland. He has become, for the past uh, couple of decades, he's become um, even more than that last several decades, one of America's pastors. Let, let me just again encourage you, as Pastor Begg just did, this book is a great gift. As you think about gifts you can give, books become one of those great gifts. And this becomes a great book for you to give to people who want to figure out ways to infuse the the glory and the wonder of the coming of Christ, the birth of the Son of God into their Christmas festivities. Nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas, but there should be something different. There should be something unique for those of us who understand what this moment is all about. If uh, folks can't tell the difference between the way we approach Christmas and the way those who don't know Christ approach Christmas, then maybe, just maybe, something's wrong. I got a few minutes left on this program. So before I let you go, let me just tell you four reasons why this was so important for me to have uh, a discussion around. Number one, every one of these songs have this in common, these four things in common. Number one, they remind us that the story of Christmas is history. It is historical. It is historical. That means that it actually happened. This isn't mythology. This isn't make-believe. So don't trivialize the uh, story of Christmas that way. This happened in the city of David, in the city of Bethlehem. It happened in a specific time in history. And Luke does a great job in bringing in historical details so that we might be able to say, even thousands of years later, that this was not some fable that was passed down right? This was a true story of the coming of the Son of God. Not only is this history, but secondly, this is mercy, folks. This is mercy because the Son of God comes not for himself, but he comes because we needed a Savior. He came to get us out of a pickle. He came to get us out of our sins. You and I have this one thing in common, whether we are black or white, men or women, whether we are short or tall, young or old, we are all sinners in need of grace. So he comes to give us that mercy. This is not only history and mercy, but this is love as well. What love that the Son of God would come. God gave us his best because he loved us, and so we need to give him our best. And then finally, maybe most importantly, folks, this is God. This is God. Everything about the first Christmas points to one great thing, what a mighty God we serve. God in flesh who came to save us and to redeem us. I hope you enjoyed this broadcast. I'm telling you, my heart soars as I think about all that God has done for us in the first Christmas and how we get a chance each and every year to remember and to reflect. I want to get this book into your hands. Again, Christmas Playlist. It's going to be a great gift for you to have yourself or maybe even a giveaway. So we can do that through social media. Why don't you go there now, Facebook or Twitter, friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We'll pick a few names and we will send out about five copies of this book to five very special individuals. Hey, don't forget to support the program. We need your generosity. Without your generous support, we can't be here. So go to equippedradio.org, click on the Donate Now button. Or give us a call, 888-644-4144. And as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries.